Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And wow. you're recording from NYC, Young Me. I'm in New York City still. But I'll talk <laughs> we'll about get, that. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, before I get into that, I think we should introduce our wonderful guest because I'm. Uh, this is very exciting because this is something, somebody that we've wanted on the podcast for a long time to ha- and we wanted to have this discussion for a long time. Oh, absolutely. Well, our guests, I asked our guests, how would you like to be introduced on the podcast? And he threw it back at us and said, why don't you give it a shot? And he'll correct us if needed. So listeners, our guest is a creative director and I guess just overall streetwear icon. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. That in there. Have, you, have, you, have you heard of the Nike pigeon dunks? That's, yeah, brainchild on this podcast. So listeners, give your ears to Jeff Staple. What's up, everyone? How you doing? That was good. You nailed that was it, good? Brian. That was great, yeah. Excellent wow. elevator pitch. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Look at us. Look at us, young me. We're, we're a real operation doing our due diligence yeah. here. I'm always really interested to see how, like, other people, because I, I know you guys are not, like, in like you're not like in hype beast world like yeah. you know you're not like waiting in line outside of supreme you just um, heard but it's brian's feelings to... so bad brian's like i am <laughs> no i, I thought i was no 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 well no i am quietly in <laughs> it like i don't i lurk but back in the day i would go on hype beast and like super future and so oh, cool. i would like i would observe from the outside but uh yeah Yeah. i definitely know you as a figure within the streetwear scene for sure yeah so it's always interesting to hear the introductions you know from from various outside industries but you did a great (laughs) job thanks oh wow 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 i mean would you say that your involvement in streetwear is i i understand it might be the most public facing but Mm. are you is that just like is it like an iceberg like are there a lot of things under the surface that people just aren't privy to but yeah you're just doing creative direction for all sorts of projects there are a lot of things but I don't I don't mind that people don't know them all. And I also understand why there is like a tip of the iceberg, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Like I have a lot of musicians, like uh, musical friends who like do recording and like, even though they have like a catalog and a library of work, they always just want to hear, the fans just like, just play that one song. You know, it's like, yeah. I've made other songs, you know? But like, for me, <laughs> it is it is a little bit of a gift and a curse of like, you know, you mentioned the Nike Pigeon Dunk, which is, mm-hmm. you know, is one of the most iconic shoes in the culture. And yeah. it's a blessing that I was able to touch that. But it's also like, oh, yeah, you did the Pigeon Dunk. It's like, no, I did other stuff, too. But I get that that's what you know. So it's it's all good. I'm, I'm happy to be in the conversation, to be honest. And now we can add to that illustrious list guest of the Feeling Asian podcast. <laughs> I love I love doing Asian podcasts, if that's oh, a category. I don't know it what that is, is nice. but I don't I don't do many because I'm not I feel like I'm not like embraced fully by the Asian <gasps> culture. What? Really? Really? Yeah. What? Interesting. You know, like the the Asian Illuminati of like oh, we Apex know. and Gold like Being those. Chen. Yeah, like yeah. I'm not for some reason they look at me and they're like, not yellow enough. <laughs> I don't know why. Wow. Like I'm just like, yeah, wow. I don't know. I've never well, I've never reached out by those people. I don't know why. Well, in a way, you're embodying the ethos of streetwear, just kind of like non-conforming. Uh, yeah, outside the box. Man, I'm building baby. my own thing. <laughs> you know, I, I my theory is that like I and we could talk about this late a little bit later, but like I grew yeah. up like basically white. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm, you know, like I, I grew up the first 17 years of my life was like fully embarrassed to be Asian for like mm, my entire right. childhood and doing yeah. everything I can to hide the fact that I was Asian. And mm. I think that in everything that I create, even though now I'm proud to be Asian and I love being Asian, I think there is still that like, I don't fly like an Asian flag with my creations. Like, right. mm. and a lot of people don't know, a lot of people are big fans of Staple, but they don't know that the creator is Chinese, you know, which mm. is right. somewhat deliberate. But I know a lot of my other artist friends are like, they're like, no, you will know that this brand or this creation yeah. is an Asian created thing first. Yeah. And right. then you will judge the thing. And I'm kind of the other way. So I feel like maybe right. that's part of the reason why um, I'm not embraced by the Asian Illuminati. <laughs> I mean, you know, I like I really like having these discussions with our guests because every single one of our guests has like this sort of story about how they relate to being Asian, you know, living in America. And I I, mm -hmm. I really like hearing all of the sides of it because I think there's no right way to express your Asian-ness. Um, there's no, like, correct way to do that. And if, if you are so inclined to include it in your brand and your, you know, your whole, like, identity as a creative or something, that's totally fine. But also, if, if it's not something that you are doing, that's also totally, who cares? It's just, it's it's your thing. Do what you want, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. people's lives. Totally, totally. There's no wrong way I to be think Asian. There's a, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it there's also a timing thing, too, because your agency, like Staple Design, it's been, it's been around for a while. And, like, you've been mm -hmm. in the game for a long time. And I feel like this... These new businesses that have emerged where it is like wholeheartedly embracing your like culture and like introducing it to the masses that I, I started noticing more businesses pop up like that maybe in the last like mm -hmm. five to six years. But yeah, your true. work like predates that by more than a decade, you know, like Definitely. I don't know yeah, if people would have been as receptive and during that time to be like, fuck, yeah, like this is unapologetically Asian. Like, I don't know, no like it would yeah. have been different. It's, it was just mm -hmm. a different time, you know. Totally. I mean, this year is actually the 25th anniversary of Staples. So wow. you're catching yeah. me in a good year. So 97 <laughs> was the year I founded it. And the word streetwear wasn't invented yet. Honestly, mm, like wow. in 96, 97, you had you had hip hop culture and then you mm. had skate culture and then you had mm. punk culture. But people right. weren't like blending them yet. You yeah. know, so yeah. for me as a Chinese kid from New Jersey to be like, I'm, am I making urban wear? Am I making? I'm not a. I'm not a white mm. skater. I'm not a black rapper. I'm not a white punk artist. I'm just this right. Chinese kid from New Jersey. I don't know yeah. where I fit in. So that's right. why I was like, let me just let the the creation speak for itself and not right. fly the unapologetically Asian flag. You know. And I yeah. think you know yeah. to that to that note that what Brian said, like back in the the idea that the creator of a brand is front facing is very new. Like even if you yeah. weren't Asian, right. like if you started For a sure. business in the nineties or early aughts, it just wasn't part of the whole thing that the creator had to be on there and they're vegan Facts. and blah blah. Do you know what I mean? You never yeah, saw who, totally. the, who that For person sure. was. Sure. So nope. yeah, it's a totally different yeah. time. Think about those <laughs> brands like back in the day, like Volcom, Quicksilver, DC, and then on the yeah. other end, Mecca, Aniche, Peli Peli, like nobody, who are the creators of those brands? Nobody no knows. knows, they're just brands, yeah. But now yeah. it's like, yeah, are you vegan? What, are you left? Are you right? Are you, no like, what knows. are you, you know, like? <laughs> it's all part of it, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, just it's a side effect of, of influencer culture. Like, yeah. yeah. 
that's the new normal like what's your story and you want to know like who's the founder behind this and yeah. is if do i align with this brand yeah. which is by extension just like the personality of the creator some of yep. it is good because you know that abercrombie and fitch documentary that just came out and i was like no holy shit if oh. we all knew what that man looked like <laughs> oh i gotta watch we would it. never have bought anything from that store because he looks he is weird and he is a racist <laughs> he's literal like uh, like a white supremacist um, wow. Um, so, so sometimes wow. it's okay that we see who's making all our, the clothes that we wear and the things that we like. So yeah. Not always a bad thing. Well, Jeff, we're really excited to, you know, have you join us on this podcast and we can dive a little bit more deeply into, you know, just streetwear in general. But yeah. as you know, this podcast is titled Feeling Asian and we like to start up top of just asking each other how we feel. So, uh, Youngmi, how are you feeling? Okay, so I missed my flight to Korea because there's a new visa requirement and um, it started in 2021. So if you're going to go to Korea, please get the visa. I'm an American citizen, by the way, but I think I can apply for Korean citizenship because I was born there. So I'm going to try to do that while mm. I'm there. But so, okay, the reason why that happened and I had to push back my flight, is it's a long story and I don't want to get into it here. It's basically like the airlines are really fucked up right now. There was no one to help me literally like mm. i can't mm. explain to you there's one person at the airport and I, I was like fifth in line and everybody in front of me was taking two hours to and i was like i can't sit here oh. until 1 a.m or whatever and then i was like i tried to call them i was on hold for over three hours without talking to anybody and then Damn. the next time <laughs> i tried to call them they were like they were like there's no option for you e to even wait on the phone they took that mm. option away and i was like what do i do and so i tried to like figure it out on the website and right. they like of course they're not going to give me my money back they're going to give me some voucher and they're like well we'll have it out like in six months and or six weeks and i was like what do i do and it, it was just like just airline i'm not gonna talk about it anymore because it's boring so i like can you name I, the I, airline can you, well, are, are I you can, down to name the airline it's air canada but i can't but the thing is it's all of them right now you know mm -hmm, they're yeah. all fucked up because they all like got a majillion dollars i don't know if air canada did but the americans one ones did and they gave it all to their fucking ceo and then and then they're like, no one wants to work for $8 an hour anymore. I'm like, bitch, who wants to be the okay. one person at the counter getting screamed at? <laughs> you, no, yeah. for $8, whatever. So this is like a new thing. Because I didn't know, like, if you're visiting as a U.S. as, as a tourist. Yeah. Like, if you needed a visa. Yeah. You know? You needed but, a visa. Yeah. And oh. it's like Has it always been that way? No, it came in 2021. That's why I didn't okay. get it. Because I, before, so, I never went so to So in Korea theory, before. let's say that yeah. uh, airlines were like fully staffed. Would you have been able to handle it on the spot? I, I think, yes. I could have like been like, okay. can you help me get on another flight? But the thing was that Mino's visa came in right away. And mine yeah. came in a day and a half later. So at that point, oh, I could have called the airline maybe. But there's nobody on the phone. And then my theory is that Minos came in right away because his government like legal name is James Bowen. And I was like, they saw male white name and they just like did his really fast. I was like, Koreans. <laughs> That's my crazy theory. But um, it's probably not true. Wait, I, then, I still want to know. I still want to know how you're actually feeling. Okay, so I'm like, oh. let me get to the yeah. feeling. So I was, yeah, that, the airport stuff I didn't want to talk about because... Apparently, like everyone's going through this right now and they're all probably tired of hearing it. So this is what happened yeah. and it was very emotional because I 
it was at the airport and i was like trying to frantically apply for this visa over over the internet and um i was stressed out because at that point there was like 40 minutes remaining to check in because it was two hours before the flight right and yeah i had used all my money on an emergency covid test it was 500 dollars and i and then the, and then the permits were That's 150 wild. each i had a thousand dollars in my account and i was like i'll be okay but because of the 500 dollars and the oh permits God. were 300 dollars, i well, i had like a little over 200 dollars in my account and i was like how am i gonna fucking fly out i have a 17 hour layover with 200 dollars in my account and i was stressing out but i was like i gotta get it on this flight i gotta do it right so i was yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. freaked out i had no money mino was like trying to show me his game on his ipad and I had this like impulse to be like, shut up, Mino, like to stop that, you know, like to yell at Mino. But I like held yeah. it, I like s- held it in, and I was like, Mino, like I'm, I'm stressed out. Mommy's trying to do this really fast. Can you just give me a few minutes? And I didn't yell at him. I didn't snap at him. And then we got in the line, and you know, we were in the line for hours, like five hours, because there's one person. Yeah. And. Um, when when there was like three people in front of me, which would have meant five more hours of waiting, basically, <laughs> Mino was like, "I have to poo," and I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, "Oh god, I've been waiting here for so long," and like, I know I could have asked the person, but like, I was like, "I don't know how long we're gonna be in the bathroom. Are we gonna miss our spot?" And so at, at sure. that moment is when I was like, "I'm gonna give up. I'm gonna go home, and I'm gonna try to figure it out at home." And yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I was getting really emotional because I was feeling frustrated. And again, I had this like impulse to like scream at him, but I didn't. And then so he went to the bathroom and then we were walking out. And as we were walking out of the airport, I was like, Mino, you know, I had this like angry feeling like, oh, it's so hard being with this kid. And like, if it wasn't with this with Mino, I could have gone on the flight probably which is so fucking deranged because the whole point I was going there was for him. Right. But like, you know, if you're a parent, you have that impulse to like scream at your kid Mm -hmm. when things are stressful. I was like thinking, I remember when I was a kid and we were in this, these situations, my parents would scream at me and I would get my ass beat. It would (laughs) somehow be my fucking fault. They'd be like, stop moving. And I remember like being a kid. And the truth is when I was a kid, at, at eight years old, that whole incident of waiting at the airport was way harder for me than my parents. Like they were adults, mm. you know, and mm. who cares? Yeah. Uh, as yeah. adults, we love standing around. It's my favorite thing, right? Who cares? <laughs> but like for me, no, that was really hard. And there was a point where he had to hold his poo and he was also hungry. And like, and for an eight yeah. year old, that is like phenomenally way harder than an adult. And so as I was yeah. leaving the airport, I had that thought and I just remember like, oh, if it was my parents, like I, I would have been like so traumatized. They would have screamed at me. They would have hit me. And so then at that moment, I told Mino, you know, Mino, I'm like, so I'm so sorry that you had to wait that long and it was so hard for yeah. you and you're hungry and it's and I'm sorry I had to hold your poo. And I was like, I know that that was really hard for you, but you were being so sweet the whole time. So I just want to thank you. And like, wow. And then he like, he was like, he gave me a hug. And I was just like thinking in my head, like, fuck, I like lost all this money. I'm probably, I don't know if I'm going to get to go on this trip. And I wanted it for Mino, but I was like on the car ride home. I was like crying a little bit, but I was like, you know, at at least minimally that I didn't cause Mino to have a traumatic core memory. (laughs) Like, you know, 
like you held it that, together yeah. yeah in that moment i could have like had a horrible memory that he would remember as an adult where his mom screamed at him and whatever like i ha- like i have from yeah. my parents for me, no, it was just it was just fun, and we were just goofing around, and like I was like, oh, what do you need for dinner? And then we got burgers, you know. So it was like, you know, because I was overwhelmed with these feelings that I was like a really bad mom, because I was like, I didn't fucking figure out this easy thing, like trying to get v- and I I was like, other parents can figure shit, like other people can be adults so easy, but why is it hard for me? You know, like I was like feeling really like a shitty mom like I, I had like let him down but then I was like I think you know in in that way yeah I'm like never I never like have my shit together but in the other way it's like just nice that you know I made sure that he was having fun so yeah yeah you definitely get yeah. a gold star that day for holding it all together because <laughs> you could have sure. just said you're shitting in your pants like just take a shit in oh, your yeah. pants. We're staying in this line. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I, I might have like, been like that. I might have been like that. I might have been like. I don't. I don't have kids, but I know for sure I would have been like that. It's like hard for me to put myself in those shoes. I'm just like, you're a kid. You don't yeah. understand like the grav, the full gravity of the situation. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, this is gonna suck for you, yeah. but trust me, kid. Like, the net is like it's gonna be worth it for you to shit your fucking pants. <laughs> <laughs> Which no, would have been that traumatic experience that he would have had for the Can rest you of his imagine? Like, Dude, that would be yeah. a core trauma memory. Him like, yes, I, I shit my pants at the airport. There's like a thousand people oh, there. Oh, God. But here's the thing. I, I want to make sure that this, if any parents are listening to this, I've had those moments where I fucked up, where I've screamed at mm. him and I made the wrong choice, you know? Because that's, yeah. that's like the natural impulse. You're just like, uh, just uh, be good, be quiet. Like that, that's natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes natural to a lot. Of, it comes natural to me. And I had to like, in that moment, really like, <sighs> like hold it together <laughs> not to do that. Right. 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 So, uh, but, but. At the and end, that's, that's like, what you need yeah. to give yourself props for, for that moment where you like held it. Yeah. Together. I was, I was proud of myself in that moment. Yeah. yeah, and it all ended up working out in the end too, because now you're you're just going a month later than you originally planned. Yes. Yeah. I it, it so, did work. Overall, I, it worked what? out. <laughs> I was thinking that Brian. I was thinking that I was like, I know at the end of the day, somehow I'm gonna figure this out, and we will yeah. we will go. But if I if I yell at him and he shits his pants that's emotional damage <laughs> like, <laughs> so, you know what i mean <laughs> like, so i was yeah. like so i was like let's not do that let's everything's gonna be fine and it you're right brian it worked out at the end so i'm i'm really proud that of myself that that happened <laughs> gold star <laughs> yes how about you brian how are you feeling yeah it's uh I, I just like, you know, I woke up this morning, read the news, and I guess what's on my mind is like this morning it was announced that uh, the former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated. And it's so crazy. I feel the like the world is crazy. Exactly. It feels like, like it's falling apart. Yeah. You know, you we're coming off the heels of another mass shooting. And, I, I, you know, now there's like a new wave of like this BA5 variant of COVID, which apparently is like super makes you super ill and Ugh. vomit now yeah. this like the news of the assassination i'm just like what what the fuck is going on with this world right now i feel like so many 
has it always been this way and I'm just older now? So I'm just more aware of how the world operates and what's going on around me. Because when I was a kid, all I cared about was like doing my homework and like, when am I going to go over to my friend's house? I don't know. But that's just, I guess that's just how I'm feeling is hot off the news cycle. It just seems like a lot of things are falling apart and the world is, the world feels kind of crazy right now. I don't know Very. if you guys like feel that way too. No, I woke I woke up and read that news too, and it was it was really kind of shocking to me, for sure. Yeah, it's especially shocking considering yeah. how strict gun laws are in Japan. Like you just don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, wow, I didn't know this kind of thing happened. He had to make a homemade gun. Yeah, yeah, it's like I a saw homemade that. weapon. Yeah, my mind. I'm gonna be really honest. Like my mind went to kind of a dark place, mm. and I was like, low key. We need some of that energy in America. Like, there's some people <laughs> that like need to be taken care of in America. And I was like, why aren't we doing that? Like, oh my to the, God. yeah, I was like, I, wait, never, I shouldn't go there. But like, as by, I, I agree with you, Jeff. And by taking care of, we mean they, they need to be hugged. That's what we mean by that. Yes, yes. Some people a, need to a, get hugged real hard in a, America. Like a like a grizzly bear hug. Hug the fuck out. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Just a, just a, <laughs> just a bear hug with be... like a bear with sharp claws. Hug. Some people, yeah. yeah Someone, some... So, some people just need to be looked at and be told like, "Hey, I understand that you really need to shit your pants right now, and I'm really <laughs> upset at you, but I'm letting you know that we're gonna, I'm gonna give you a hug, and we're gonna solve this together." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, I'm keeping it short and sweet this week. Uh, that's just what's been preoccupying my mind today is, yeah. you know, like, world is crazy. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's it, confusing. <laughs> you know what's so funny? The day, because I was like the day between my flight fiasco. I, I like how I'm like counting that as one of the world tragedies. There's a mass shooting. <laughs> I missed my flight. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course, Shinzo I don't. Abe yeah, Shinzo Abe got assassinated, and then I also missed my flight. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but the day before he got assassinated, I kept feeling like in the air, like what Brian said, like it feels like something's about to fucking pop off. You know, mm -hmm. like all this yeah. shit, the mass shootings, the the Russian war, the Ukraine, you know, and the fucking the randomly Shinzo Abe, which I'm very out of touch with Japanese politics. So I don't even know what's going on there, you know, and mm -hmm. yeah. it's just it's just a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress in the air, you know, and even in yeah. America, like the economic state and like the constant conversation, like, are we is a recession going to happen? Like inflation rates are crazy. Gas prices are through the roof. Like, Nothing's there, working. There's just a, there's no just like a lot there. of stress. A lot of stress in the air. So yeah. just like yeah. at Air Canada, no <laughs> one's there. Just, yeah. just like at Air Canada, <laughs> young me, young me, missed her flight. No there's there's a lot of stress. No one's the there. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Like when I went there, I felt this like I felt like there was nobody working, and like all these business, there's nobody yeah. there because these like rich people are just hoarding wealth. And people are For too sure. poor to go to work because they're paying so little. It's like they yeah. can't even yeah. afford to drive their cars to right. the airline to work because they're paying. Get, right. I'm like, and then they're like, why isn't anyone working? It's like, because like it's ninety five dollars for gas, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, right, right. Something's about yeah. to pop off. Yeah, yeah. But Jeff, how are you feeling? I'm feeling based on all of that. I'm feeling very like 
or I'm trying to feel very measured and considered. So I think that like goes to protecting myself by creating sort of like I don't know if barriers is the right word or like I'm trying to create like a nice comfy force field around myself so that like mm. yes I'm hearing these news you know I'm I'm absorbing everything that's happening but I also know that if I open the door to it it will overly consume me right and so I'm trying to just really protect myself really and and what that means is just being like very calm considered and measured I also have like a mm. very big week coming there's going to be a ton, like my next 2 weeks is like crazy amounts of travel and meeting mm. and public yeah. appearances and stuff and so mainly I don't I don't want to get sick you know like I'm going to be seeing yeah. a lot of people being in air a lot so I'm just trying to be like very protective of my own soul if you will That makes that makes great. a lot of sense yeah. yeah I mean for the listeners who aren't uh watching on YouTube Jeff I was going to say you have this zen like quality about you I don't know if it's just the interior. You have like the plain white brick wall behind you. You got that, clo- you know, you got that shaved head. You're just like very zen. But do you, would you say that you work well under in like pressure situations? Like, do you go into that mode when things are like really chaotic and stressful? Yeah, I, I'm, you know, uh, I spent a couple of, not a couple of years, like nearly like a decade, like playing very high stakes poker. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I even like wow. went to the World Series of Poker a few times wow. and like, yeah. And I did that. I mean, I do love this the game, but I mainly did that to train my brain to abuse it to those high pressure situations so that when uh. life throws them at me, it's like I have the poker face, you know? Mm. That is so interesting. You ever see those kung fu movies where like the dude just hits the wall like with his fist over and over again to uh-huh. like build tolerance? Yeah, it's like a that kill was bill too when she yeah yeah did just, yeah head. yeah 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 exactly yeah uh, that was me with poker. I was like I'm gonna like just keep hitting my brain uh, so that mm-hmm. when these situations happen, I'm just like this is nothing compared to what I faced in round seven of the World Series of Poker with $3 million on the table and someone calling my bluff. Some shit like that. Wow. Yeah. That's a fascinating way to approach poker. So I read this uh, a book last year that left a pretty big imprint on me and it's called The Biggest Bluff and it was written by uh, a New Yorker repo- a journalist and she basically was like, I don't know anything about poker. Give me a year. I'm going to dedicate myself mm. wholeheartedly to this and I'm going to try to qualify for the World Series of Poker. Ooh, and wow. she wrote how... Like poker to her is like the perfect game that emulates life because yes. there is like a, the, it's the variable of uncertainty. And in life, you're making decisions based on uncertainty all the time. And it's the same mm. thing with poker. And so what you just said is like basically you were living that whatever she just like described was like training yourself in the day to day situations by totally. proxy of poker. Totally. And and in a poker table, you're playing against 10 people, right? There's 10 people at a table. And yeah. literally every personality at that table is a representation of someone in your life. Like mm. there's right. the guy who's going to lie said, yeah. through his teeth. There's the person who's such a like has no spine that can't get anything done. There's the jackal. There's like, you know, the, yeah. the wise eagle. You know, there's like yeah. all these different like spirit animals at the table. It's really fascinating. And it's good because him. it's like you could just like basically clock in, get three hours of like this mental sort of like 
calisthenics and then just mm. leave. So, like there's there's not really a way to prepare yourself for that in real life because when like that situation hits you, young me, like at the airport, yeah. mm-hmm. how do you just like let the storm just like wash over you without like yeah. freaking out about getting wet? Which I based on what you said, you actually did an amazing job. That's why I gave you the gold star because you were like, yeah. I am not going to smack my son across the face right now. Like I'm going to actually like turn this around, you know, and praise him for it. So I, I think that's a fascinating way to approach poker with the knowledge of knowing that you're doing that to strengthen that part of your brain. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting approach because I've never heard anyone do that before because usually they just like poker, but I do have a similar thing. I think that trained me in a sense that I didn't do on purpose. But cycle, because like what I'm hearing you say <laughs> with the poker players, you're learning so much psych- psychologically about how the world works and what kind of different people there are in the world, right? For yeah, me, right. I think my version of that was working in restaurants as a server. For I knew you were going to say that. Right? I knew you were going to mm. say that. that. Yeah, it's so that's psychological. Hell, that's hell. <laughs> but that's, that's <laughs> the same thing. Like shit is popping off everywhere and you have to hold it together. Because someone fucking, you gotta get someone their fucking spaghetti. It's so stupid. But like, shit is. <laughs> no, but it's fags. After doing that for so long, it was the same thing. When people walked in the door, I could just, I knew like what was going on psychologically. Character kind of reading, hurt. right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. It's priceless. And you can use that for the rest of your life. But yeah, that's like, yeah. That like. that's amazing. You do yeah. have that poker that's face awesome. vibe. I, I, but I, I don't want to be evil about it. I'm just like, I'm just no. trying to, you know. Use it for strength, what it is. Mind um, training exercise. Yeah, yeah. But yo, young me. Speaking of your days in the restaurant industry, yeah. I yeah. wanna I wanna take a moment and give you your flowers while I still can. But I remember meeting you back in the Mission days when it was down on East Broadway. Yeah. And to just see your, I don't know if you call it a career, but I'll call it a career. <laughs> like how your career has transitioned from yeah. that to comedy to writing and how funny you are and like how you sort of share your trials and tribulations of being a mother. I've I've watched from a side the whole pivoting and and you know shifting and transitioning and I just want to applaud you for like how you've represented yourself through those years. Thanks, Aww. Jeff. That's so nice of you. Yeah, it's it was definitely like I think I've you know talked about this in so many words on here but it was definitely like this thing where I definitely shifted from somebody who thought that they weren't allowed to do what they want to do to like one day being like no I'm allowed to do this and if I don't do it now you know like there's no better time yeah Yeah. the best is when I think there was like I I heard through like the grapevine that you were going to be like a stand-up comic I'll be I'll be straight up honest with you, there's a part where people were probably like, oh, she's crazy. Like, she's like, right? Like, oh, she's going to be a stand. She's crazy. They're not wrong. Okay. But, you know, but then when, like, so coming into that with that attitude of like, you can't make it as a comic, you know, like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. But then like, holy shit, she is genuinely fucking really smart and funny like oh, thank you that you you had to overcome the hate it, it wasn't like you came in with a clean slate of like oh yeah. you're probably going to be like really smart and funny people were like no she's probably off her rocker but it's like no holy shit like she's really really funny so kudos for that that means so much jeff but also i have to say i've been very lucky and very like blessed with such 
great fans i think especially from this podcast who are just so mm-hmm. amazing and i i'm very thankful for that you know well, i i know it that. is so hard it is so hard what you do <laughs> i know i know that to be as open and honest as you are on camera like it's fucking hard that that's the best compliment ever i thought you were fucking crazy but <laughs> you know what you were kind of funny <laughs> yeah Yo, no, you, you there's it. a there's a fine line between crazy and like genius, you know, and it's like to me what I've even found is like yeah. the same people who called you crazy, like you can do something where the next day we're like, oh, no, she's actually genius. Like, but the same person is saying mm. both things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I've had that before, too. You've so like I definitely that. appreciate <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, people like my family, my loved ones were like, you're going to quit school and start a T-shirt brand. You're crazy. And then, yeah. <laughs> oh, because because this person's wearing it or because this magazine wrote about it, oh, Jeff, you're actually a genius. Wow. It's like, no, I remember oh, you so called funny. me crazy last week. I remember Classic that. I'll never Asian forget that parents. shit. Yeah. yeah. No one ever they said slide, that to my face. Into, <laughs> slide into your DMs. Yo, Jeff, I remember you said you were doing that thing. Been a fan since day one. So happy for all your success, bro. Brian, that, Brian, that happens monthly where like some kid from my high school in New Jersey who bullied me oh, is no. now asking me for like kicks wow. and t-shirts. Dox him. Yo, you remember me? You remember Dox me in him. junior year? I was like, yeah, I remember when you fucking gave me a wedgie. And then, <laughs> you know. I support doxing bullies. Dox, dox him. Uh. That's so funny. Well, Jeff, so funny. You know, I, w- I want to dive into this, uh, the next part of our conversation here. And up top, you know, as we established, you're influential in the world of streetwear, which is a subculture that Young Me have, and I have noticed is very popular among Asians. Like, uh-huh. at least walking around New York, you see lines outside of Supreme, you see lines outside of Kith. A lot of Asians. And yeah. we want to know, I mean, you. I don't know if you have the answer to this or what your theory is, but like, why do you, why do you think that is? I don't know, to be honest. I, I, I don't have the exact answer. I have like hypotheses of why, mm. Yeah, um, you know, street, street culture involves design and creativity on one side. And then on the other hand, you have this like really tight knit community and there's like sort of like a code language with streetwear, right? Like if you okay. walk up to two hype beasts talking, you might not understand everything they're saying because they're using all this like lingo and stuff. Yeah. Right. And then of course there's like, in order to do anything in streetwear, like you need this like hustle entrepreneurial spirit, you know? And okay. I think if you, being Asian is like a triangulation of all of those things. Like we like well-designed things. We like creative mm. things. We right. like a tight-knit community because that's where our families were like from. You know, we understand having like a different language and a different code. Mm. And we obviously all work our ass off. Like we understand work ethic. Mm. So I think streetwear sort of like checks all those boxes. Now, I but then I thought like, but maybe so do other races too. Like, so I don't right. know why, why isn't like, yeah. you know, I don't see like a bunch of like Southeast Asian Indian kids like online. Like, why don't they love streetwear as much as like, you know, Pacific Asian people, right. you know what I mean? Right, right. I, I don't really have an answer. I also think there's something slightly rebellious about doing or being involved in streetwear and sneakers. It's not mm, like yeah. rebellious, like joining a gang or like doing graffiti, something that could put you in jail. Yeah. But right, I think right. it's like light rebellion, which is like good enough for uh, Asian kids, <laughs> you know, like, okay, okay, okay. yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I have Edge, but I'm not actually gonna go like steal a car. But like, this is right, right. It's cool to like silkscreen T-shirts like on the side, you know. Wait, what do you mean by Pacific Asians versus Southeast? Are there different like ethnicities yeah, I'm, among no, Asian I'm, groups that I, like it? Or? I'm the worst person. I don't even know what I. I basically <laughs> I was saying like you don't really see like Indian kids online, mm. as opposed to like as Southeast opposed to Asians, like Chinese, Japanese, like Filipino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You don't oh, even I see yeah. that many see. of like, I feel like the closer you get to the equator, the less uh-huh. they're into streetwear, <laughs> you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating. I'm, I mostly see Japanese, Korean, Chinese, less like Indian, Southeast Asian. Although oh, I, right. I will I say Southeast, in so- I, we have a huge Southeast Asian contingency, but there's so yeah. many other factors in that though. It's like there's economics right. and just like communication tools and stuff like that, you know? So there's a lot of other factors. Yeah. I mean, this is a conversation that I've had amongst my friends. And again, these are all hypotheses. Like originally I thought, okay, maybe it's because in in line, a lot of people who are involved in streetwear culture, it's a lot of black people and Asian Asians. And I was like, okay, well, these are two like marginalized groups in America. Streetwear is culturally, it's quite, it's, it's founded on like rebellion. It's brash. It's kind of like, being authentic and letting your voice be known so maybe like because these two groups are marginalized this is their way to uh let their presence be known in america and being like hey we're not going anywhere we're here and this streetwear like kind of embodies what i'm all about but then by you know then i quickly realized like well that applies in america i guess but a lot of asians in asia are really into streetwear where they're not really dealing with the same socio-political nuances that exist here in america but then yeah but i like your point of like rebellion Mm -hmm. because think like yeah yeah because like when i was in high school you know my parents like they were pretty strict korean immigrants and they wanted me to dress a certain way so my form of rebellion in a way was like oh, I really like these Nike Dunks. Like, my dad thinks they look stupid, but I think they look cool. And so it's not, it's not, I'm never going to steal a car, that's for sure. So maybe this yeah. is my form of like, yeah, fuck you, fuck you to the man. Like, I'm right. going to get these sneakers. And it's also like just uniqueness and expression, right? I think mm, maybe in like, uh, like I grew up, I grew up in a very normal high school, like very white suburban high school. And right. I don't know about today, but like in the in the 90s, it, you wanted to blend in with your crew. Like if everyone was wearing pink champion hoodies, then you should wear a pink champion hoodie. Like you don't want to come in and be like the different kid because yeah. right. you get bullied and ridiculed, right? Mm-hmm. But I think a little bit later on, if you, and especially in Asia, I think this is the case. Like if everyone's wearing one thing, you actually want to be different. It's like cool that you're different versus yeah. it's cool that you're blending in. It's a very different like subtext in the way people think. And so yeah. if everyone's wearing Abercrombie and Fitch to school mm-hmm. and some kid wears a Futura t-shirt, it's like, yeah. what's Futura? And like, that's the cool kid now, you know? Yeah. So I think right, right. that's a little bit of an unlock as well. Did you get your start? By it sounds like you, you mentioned like you dropped out and you made T-shirts. Was that your mm-hmm. first foray into streetwear? Yeah. And yep. At that time, did you like? Were you making T-shirts just simply because you liked T-shirts, or did you kind of recognize this is a little bit different? This synthesizes culture, different subcultures. I feel like this is going to be the future wave. 
No, it wasn't like that at all. I, I was an art student at Parsons mm. um, and I took a silkscreen class, which was like silkscreening on paper and canvas mm. to like yeah. learn how to silkscreen that way. And I did, I did it for a little bit and I was like, I'd start having like a stack of prints in my apartment. Like I used to live in Bushwick and like, I'm like, why do I have like 50 prints in my shoebox sized apartment in Bushwick? Like mm. what if I put that same piece of art on a t-shirt and gave it to just 20 of my friends that take the subway, the bus, the train, they walk the streets. Now my art is like out there. Yeah. It was a, kind of oh, like a graffiti, like a graffiti okay. mentality. And right. so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to print on t-shirts. So instead of bringing in prints, I brought in t-shirts and I started printing them. And I remember that the teacher was like, you can't print on t-shirts in this class. And I was like, why the fuck not? Like I'm paying tuition. Oh. Like what's the difference? They're like, and he was like, you just can't. And I, I hate it when people just say like, oh, you just can't without like a proper reason. Oh. So, so um, me and a buddy, we like basically kept the windows of the silkscreen lab unlocked. And then mm. at night, we would break in to the silkscreen lab wow. and silkscreen shirts all night long. Oh. Just to be able to get the shirts that. printed. Yeah. Um, and then I was wearing the shirt one day in, in, um, in the Lower East Side. There's this old, you remember the streetwear brand Triple Five Soul? Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah, so I wore it into that store yeah. and the manager was like, whoa, that's a cool shirt. Where'd you get that? And I was like, I made it. And he was like, oh, if you make 12, let's sell them in the shop. And I was like, oh, really? And that was whoa. the first order. That was like the first business transaction of Staple. And I had to like break into school again to make 12 right. shirts and then like go <laughs> back. And then and then they and then uh, they sold out. And then uh, Union, which was like another iconic streetwear store um, yeah. that's in L.A. now, but they used to have one in Soho. They saw and they're like, we want to order 24. So then I had to break back into school, make 24, sell it at <laughs> Union triple five reordered like so i was like ping-ponging these orders back and forth but all oh, by wow. like breaking into school constantly to do it that's that yeah. entrepreneurial that's spirit that's like such a, a origin yeah. story hustler i will not take no for an answer <laughs> yeah that's like in real life there was an old hbo show called how to make it in america and it kind of reminds me of that like many many people told me that that show was like loosely based on my career that's really? what I, wow. I never watched the whole thing yeah but yeah it sounds like it because yeah. I mean instead they were just trying to like make a denim company but it is very like organic DIY like yeah. break into the school and we got to make this by any means possible but yeah wow that's super fascinating and and it was actually you know it was that was the reason why I quit school because um this dude from Japan bought one of the shirts at Union brought it back okay. to Japan and then he calls me up and he's like I want to order some shirts too and I was like wow cool you're uh, like you want to order a shirt and you're from Japan sure I'll make you some how many do you want yeah he's like, um I want a thousand wow <laughs> and I'm still breaking in this I was like I cannot <laughs> break into school with a thousand shirts so like that's when I decided to leave school in my in my second year. So I'm a I'm a double dropout. I actually dropped out of NYU first to go to Parsons, and then I dropped out of Parsons to do Staple. And so I don't have a college degree to show for four years of schooling, which is really <laughs> dumb. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But it's all of it sounds so organic, though. You know, it was just like making T-shirts, and you were happy to put your art art out into the world, but. You know, people were recept like were receptive to it, and yeah, it kind of you started your business. You mentioned about did I see the wave or the future of this industry? As like mm. I had no, no idea. Never wrote a business plan <laughs> in my life. You know, never. You know, you you did briefly mention how 
you know, that is what it means to be cool is like you kind of want to stand out from the crowd. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like your T-shirt stood out from the crowd and that's how it drew the attention of these buyers and the managers of these like well-regarded streetwear stores. And it's that that sort of mentality is we can all observe it now in the form of sneaker culture, like Mm -hmm. sneakers. Everyone's all about like the exclusive sneakers, like collaborations and you know, they're, it's not uncommon to see Jordans now selling for, you know, $800 on the resale market. And what are your thoughts on all of this? And because right now, like bots and there's resellers who make it nearly impossible to buy anything. Is this just the new normal? Like, do you think corporations like Nike have any interest to even fight against this like manufactured scarcity? It's it's not that easy. So there are instances where a corporation does manufacture scarcity, as you say. Like they yeah. want, they're making something and they're making three hundred pairs because that's part of the storyline of why they have to. They want to make that little, yeah. but right. largely trying to guess how many things you're going to sell a year and a half to two years in advance is actually really difficult. Because mm. I design shoes, right? And mm. I'm designing a shoe right now that's going to come out in 2025, okay? Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. so the company that I'm collaborating with is like, okay, how many pairs do you want to make? And I'm like, well, fuck, in 2025, <laughs> like, what's right. the economy going to be? What's the trend <laughs> going to be? Will this thing I'm designing even matter? Right. And then I, don't forget, I'm financially on the hook for those too. Like, mm-hmm. I have to pay for the production of those shoes. So it's like, how many do you want? It's like... Well, shit, like I want to be conservative and smart with the number because if I make too many, then they end up going on sale and at the factory outlet. And that's no good. Nobody wants that. Yeah. If right. I make too little, maybe what you happen, what you say happens, happens. They they are shorted. They're botted. Their their resale prices are high. So I'm trying to find. Trust me, if you mm-hmm. told if a crystal ball told me one point two eight million people are going to want your shoe, I will make one point two. 8 million pairs of those shoes, but I don't have that number. So I'm guessing in the dark and I want to be conservative. And I think that's where the resale largely happens outside of those instances where it's like, okay, we're going to make 300 of this, you know? Well, can I ask Mm. you, Jeff? Because you said that obviously it's, and we can tell why it's bad if your shoe goes on to like a, like a mega sale place. And, but why is it bad for you if you make too few of them and it goes on to resellers and bots? Why does that, why is that bad for you as a business person? It's actually not bad. It's mm-hmm. bad from a very simple business standpoint. It's yeah. bad because I'm the quote, the the saying goes, I'm leaving money on the table. Right. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, let's yeah, say yeah. 5,000 more people won. I, I just I just lost yeah. 5,000 more customers. Right. right so that's the right. bad right. part. But the good part is it creates this FOMO. Yeah and, it, yeah, and it creates this idea that, whoa, what Jeff does, people really want. So right. my reputation increases. That's the good okay. part about it. I thought yeah. I, for some right. reason I, I was like reading it as you saying that it's bad when people have. But I understand what you're saying now. Yeah, I see what you yeah. mean. Um, I mean, I ideologically, do you think that streetwear should be accessible to everyone? Or do you do you like that? It's sort of like an if you know, you know, sort of culture. I struggle with that a lot because I do think it should be an if you know, you know thing. I think it should Mm -hmm. be like a subculture. But then the question begs is like, how do all these people then make a living if our living is based on limited edition stuff? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, small Mm -hmm. supply, right? Like, we can make a decent living, but like, 
how do you produce the next Ralph Lauren or Tommy Hilfiger out of streetwear then? If we're based on being cool and like, yeah. if you know, you know. That's something that I'm trying to like figure out. Well, you, yeah. yeah, you get to stay the cool person. You don't, because you know, Tommy Hilfiger was yeah. cool for a second and then it was just, it's it's at uh, Nordstrom Rack a lot, you know? I know. But, you're, uh, but your Wal- landlord Walmart. doesn't accept cool points. That's true. That is true. <laughs> you know, I know that. Like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll put I... you on my Instagram instead of rent. <laughs> Wait, can yeah. I say something about the, can I say something about your first ever t-shirt that sold like insane amounts? Um, and kind of like what Brian was sort of touching on. Yeah. Do you have the like it factor uh, way to read it in a product like like do you know when something's gonna be hot yeah i do i do yeah <laughs> do you, you want, do you want to know the answer i do i do know yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i look at something and i know that mm. this is gonna make millions of dollars or this is this won't how, so how do the, you know okay so how? like how do you know <laughs> can you give us case studies like in the past yeah. like, what were yeah, you yeah. right on and maybe in the past like what's something you were wrong on no i don't want to give case studies because Sure. I have, a, I have a golden rule, which is like, if I love your brand, uh-huh. if I buy your brand, and if I wear your brand, that's what I mean by love. Because mm. I, I'll like brands, yeah. but I won't buy them and wear them. But I respect what they're doing. I like the sure. brand. Then yeah. I love brands, meaning I spend my money and I wear them. You wear it. If I like your brand and I wear your brand, I know you're not making money. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I know my taste and I know I'm weird, I have strange taste levels, I'm very nuanced and I care about things that no one else cares about. And if you're reaching my radar, you're not reaching anyone else, like you're reaching the 1%. And That's I know right. you're barely breaking even, you're barely making rent, you're not paying your vendors, I know it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and that, oh, and so okay. if, I, if I kind of like your brand, but I don't wanna wear it and I don't wanna buy it, you're probably like, I'll give you an example. <laughs> For example, Rip and Dip. Do you know that brand? Oh yeah. It's it like, like the cat. So wait, wait, wait. I love the founders. I love the brand like yeah. for what they've done. I wouldn't I, wear it, but I, I wouldn't I, wear I, it and I wouldn't buy it. But right. I now know, oh, they're making a shit ton of money mm. because Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that's like I, the that's like my radar. Okay. I I totally I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> I you know, like I'm, you know, into the clothing and stuff and i love finding like niche brands that i'm like oh this is really like if you know you know mm-hmm. but like you said those people are probably not scaling that much and they're probably not making that much money from it Where yeah. on the flip side like i recently learned Massimo, for instance i grew up learning that i thought that was just like some target brand but in fact they originally started as like a streetwear skater brand oh yeah, yeah. i remember sold out to Mas- and i'm like oh that that founder is doing just fine. Just Massimo selling out to the max and selling to Target, you know? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong There's with nothing that. wrong with building a business and making money from it. Like that's kind of the point of making a business. Yeah. That to me mm. is the difference between being like an artist and like an entrepreneur, you know? Mm. Ah, I see. Yeah. Like if you want to be an artist, then maybe the money doesn't matter mm. and the work matters first. But right. if you have a business and you have mouths to feed and you have payroll and taxes and rent and like, then it, it kind of has to make money, you know? Yeah, that is a That's great the balance point. that I, I, I'm always struggling to do with Staple. It's like, how yeah. do you keep it? How do you balance like the cash and the craft? 
right? Like keep it art, right. but also keep it a business because I have like 50 full-time employees, you know, and they all, they like some of my employees have kids. So it's like, yeah. I'm not even feeding their own mouth, but like their mouths mouths, you know? Um, and I can't just be like, I'm going to make this be- for the art of it. I don't give a fuck how much money right. it makes. Then like people don't eat. You know, mm. people people like talk shit about um, business versus the artist and they like kind of like look up to the artist, but there is a layer of selfishness to it that I think you're like touching on. Cause like as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, you are feeling responsible for the people who work for you. And if you were a quote unquote true artist, whatever, then like off in the yeah. woods somewhere doing ayahuasca, you wouldn't give a shit about anyone but yourself. So there is a selfishness yeah, right. there. Pu- it's pure ego. Yeah. yeah. There, it's pure that, ego. Yeah. That's sometimes I don't think because every time you t- you talk about the people talk about their relationship to business to art, they always <laughs> think the art is the purity and the business is the yucky side. But yeah, there's yeah. It's right. very layered. Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, wow. talking about work, you all, you seem very, very busy to me and like somebody that's just like always on the move. Like, what is your, what's your like, not to sound like Vogue magazine, like what's your work-life <laughs> balance? Like, you know, what's your relationship to work and, you know, having a, a life outside of that? Um, I have no work-life balance. <laughs> Zero. Um <laughs> My, That's I recently started, kids. Yeah. yeah, no, I recently started seeing a therapist and nice. she's like trying to, um, inject like separation of, of work from my life. You know, she's like, mm. you should try to take like three days off. See how that feels. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No. no way. No, but my, my, what I argue with her about is that like, the thing is I actually really love what I do. So like, okay. I understand that if you work a nine to five, you clock in, clock out, and you sit in a cubicle and like you hate your job, then you need like a break from that, right? But right. if you actually love what you do all the time, why would I want to take a break from that, you know? Um, yeah. Right. I don't know. I was trying to like explain to her and even my parents and, you know, sometimes even like uh, family members, loved ones in my life because I do work, I do quote unquote work so much, what they view as work, you know? Yeah. But like one analogy that I, I try to tell them is like, imagine your job was to test hammocks on a beach. Mm. Somebody has to do that job. Somebody has to test if a hammock is a good hammock or not, right? So your right. job is to lay on a hammock, drink margaritas, and see if that hammock is good or not. Yeah. Do you want to take a vacation from that job? <laughs> Probably not, because it's like your job is like so fun, relaxing, inspiring, whatever it is. And that's what what I do. Like every day is so fun and so exciting. There is stressful parts for sure. That just goes with the territory, Mm -hmm. I think. But I never desire to be like, I need 10 days without my laptop, without my phone, without talking to people to just like not touch staple. I I never have that urge. Mm -hmm. I'm only now doing it because my therapist is forcing it upon me. I'll give it a try. I'll see. And I did try it. I did try it two times this year. Oh, you did. You um, tried. Yeah. You're like worst I tried. twenty I days of my life. I did try. It actually was. I it, I oh went to Sed- I went to Sedona for a week. No. Completely okay. unplugged. No, no. And then my grandma got hospital. My grandmother was hospitalized. Oh no. <laughs> now obviously know. there's there's no yeah. Exactly. Obviously, there's no correlation between the two. But right. in my strange 
survivalist mind. I'm like, see what happens when I took a vacation? The world fell apart, you know, like, yeah. and I wasn't able, I wasn't there to fix it. So like, yeah. You came back, Shinzo Abe got assassinated. You're like, I knew, I knew I should have. I could have done something. I could have, I, no, I could have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. That's an interesting yeah, I mean, outlook. That super, super interesting outlook. Cause on the other side of the coin, it's like, you're living the dream. Like your your work is something that you truly are passionate about and something you love. Where it's like work is fun and doesn't feel like work. And yeah. I think for a lot of people, like you, they people are to that. either look, they relate. They're either looking for that or people just concede that altogether and are like, I'm just gonna treat work as work and then I'm gonna unplug. Yep. You know? Also, I, I, you know, like oh, sorry, what? What were you saying? No, go ahead. Oh, I was saying also, you know, like what you were saying about me doing comedy. I understand that now doing comedy because like I'll, maybe I'll go on a vacation, but I kind of want to write. I, I want to keep writing jokes like I, exactly. I want to keep like I love doing it. And I mean, technically, it's work because it's like making me money. But it's like it's also yeah. me writing jokes. I love fucking doing that, you know. Right. Imagine someone was like, don't open your notes and type any jokes for 10 days. No, you'd be like, that sounds sucky. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, my, that sucks. My, it's my, yeah, it's like my little brain workout. So I, I get that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do that either. I would not go to Sedona for what? I'm gonna lay down. <laughs> sounds like shit. Right. I'm get a massage. Who cares? <laughs> uh, sounds pretty nice to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I whenever I if if I were to give any advice to like a young person out there, I would say like find the thing that you love to do the most that you can't stop doing. You don't want to go to sleep. You just want to keep doing it. And no matter how weird that thing might sound like, yeah. you can nowadays make that into a job. Literally. Like, I don't care if it's like playing video games, yeah. fucking, you could literally, I don't know, basket weed, like anything. You can find the niche for anything and make it into a job right now. Literally. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. There's, that's just like how the media cycle, like that's just how we con consume content now. It's yeah. just yep. like really hyper specialized niches exactly so. exactly yeah super interesting well uh we've reached the second half not the second half but uh we're gonna hit you with some questions that we like to ask all of our guests jeff and okay. cool. up top what we want to know is what is something you're loving right now um my partner my wife <laughs> wow is that i, I don't want to be like <laughs> Such a no, good I'm not, guy. I really do. I really do love her. No, it's. It, I'm. I, I think because I haven't seen her in a few weeks, so I'm really like appreciative of like my my life partner. Shout out to mm. Liz, and Anne's sister. Did you know Liz? Yeah. Anne is the reason why I met Liz. I think I knew that, but I forgot. Our uh, we're talking about yeah. our um, um, Jeff's sister-in-law, who is my very close friend, Anne Ishii. Yeah, so oh. I, I think I heard that, but I, I forgot. What was the story? Yeah. So uh, I, when I first met Liz, um, yeah. I met her at like this corporate like sort of event. And um, I saw her and I immediately like crushed on her so hard. Yeah. And mm. found out that that was Anne's sister, who I was working with Anne at the time. Oh. Um, so I was like, Anne, you have to like hook me up with your sister. Like, she's so dope. And she's like, Anne says, you're sitting next to her husband. I was like, what? This guy's her husband? So she was married at the time. And then uh, I was like, fine. Yeah, whoopsie. Uh, so didn't do anything, obviously. And then six years later, Anne calls me up and she's like, Liz got a divorce. 
wow. I was like, oh shit. And she's like, and and I was single at the time too. So she's like, next time you're in LA, you guys should get lunch. So we got lunch and it was like, love at first sight. And we've been wow. together for Com- 12 years. Story, baby. Yeah. I, I, yes. I, I like, I was like gorillas in the mist. Like I waited, I was like waiting in the wings for her. Actually, yeah. a really sweet story. I didn't realize. So we, yeah, I remember some parts of the story. I didn't realize it was six years later. Wow. Yo, but you know what's funny? This year, so yeah. we went to Philly and we we took Anne out to dinner, and like we thanked Anne, like you know, Anne, the, we just want to thank you so much. Like you really, you really had the vision, and you really like put us together, and we're so thankful for that. Yeah. She's like, to be honest, I thought you were all just gonna have a roll in the hay and have some fun. <laughs> I didn't think you guys uh. would make it. <laughs> Wow. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I thought you guys were just going to like, you know, have a little fun and that's it. I was like, damn. Okay. Well, thank you anyway. But <laughs> Despite all oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Jeff, conversely, what's something you're hating right now? <clears throat> um, I mean, going back to what you were saying earlier, I'm kind of hating America right now. <laughs> like, Fuck yeah. This, this country is broken. It's you know? broken. I love... I love the idea of America, and I'm obviously proud to be Ameri- American, but yeah. right. what's happening these days is like, we're just going backwards in time. It's really crazy. Um, and it's really like, the thing that bothers me more is that like, there's always gonna be evil men doing evil things. That's normal, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that bothers me the most is like the vast majority of the people either don't care or actually maybe want it to go backwards in time. Yep. That's like mm. the cra- like 15 men in the Illuminati wanting to like do evil shit is like that's expected. But when right. potentially 51% of the nation is like either indifferent or agreeing with that, then it's like wow, we we are a broken country, you know. That's what bothers me too. It's not the like yeah. in the in the in the like totally out of touch bonkers uh way that people are defending these actions and like just just seeing stuff like you know after the roe v wade got overturned just seeing this comment over and over men being like well if you if women weren't such sluts then you won't need abortions and i'm like the fact that you have that thought and it's literally 50 percent of americans that's the kind of shit that's rolling around in their head is terrifying like that kind of backwards ideology is it's so scary yep. it, that, that that is a great distinction because you often hear like the rationale of these court decisions lies on like well like it's a very uh literal interpretation of the constitution or uh this is just what the text says but what it boils down to is it's ultimately about control and mm-hmm. the people in control are just these like old white dudes and they want to like create a world where it benefits them most because that's yeah, you could argue that's just human nature, perhaps. But yeah, it is very scary. Like, for th- this yeah. is what people want, you know, is to go yeah. back to these like yep. less progressive times. And the people yeah. brainwashed into agreeing with them is scary. Mm-hmm. It's like I, right. I always, I always like you said, men in power that are shitty are always going to be around. But my fantasy is that we're all going to be like in it together on the streets, like fighting back, fighting the man. And but it's like actually, <laughs> there's only a few of us trying to fight back, and most of us, most of people are like, I like this, I love a, being oppressed. <laughs> like it's so weird. It's I so know. weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. Some people are just like. 
it's actually not so bad, maybe. You like, you know, like, I don't know if I want to fight this fight. Oh. Yeah, and you're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> For the listeners out there who want to know what Jeff is ashamed of, you're going to have to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash feelingasian. For one, it's the best way to support this podcast. You know, cut the middleman out, direct to us. But uh, in any Except case... For Patreon. Yeah. Patreon is the middleman, but... Patreon know. takes a cut. Patreon they take takes a big a cut. cut. <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah. What am I, what am I saying? Um, actually, no, what you need to do is... Uh, you need give to our do Venmo. An NF- you need to do an NFT. Then you NFT, cut out the middleman. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I you don't N- know you NFT the show and only people who hold the Being Asian NFT get to hear the content. That's, I'm totally yes. shilling like a crypto bro exactly. right now. But anyway, <laughs> um, so wait, if, um, if you if you don't subscribe to the Patreon, what, do you just hear beeps this whole for the rest of the show now? It's like they get a, they get a, they get a nice they get a nice interstitial music <laughs> that we hide. Cool. So, nice. so give us like give us like a juicy teaser that we can then cut on and be like, <laughs> damn, I've never said this before to okay, anyone. Okay. But I'm gonna. Yes. All right, Jeff. Okay. I never well, I never talk about this, but this is something that I'm really, really ashamed of. Well, Jeff, uh, thank you so much for, you know, being so open and vulnerable with us on this podcast. But, you know, unfortunately, we're running out of time here. And uh, we'd like to ask all of our guests this one last question before we let them go. And, you know, uh, for you, what is something that you're proud of? Um, I mean, I, I touched on this slightly before, but I'll just sort of reiterate it. I'm, I'm just... Very proud that uh, I'm a college dropout that broke into school to make T-shirts, 12 of them to start. <laughs> and and now there's like, it's been a quarter century mm. of one brand. Like I just, yeah. I've never changed my brand name or logo for a fucking quarter century. Wow. Yeah. Talk about insanity. And then now there's like 50 plus people with families. And like, it's just crazy that like... Um, Ape, those people believe in my vision um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. are supporting it, and it's reciprocal, you know. Um, and I, because whenever I see like someone that I'm giving a pension or 401k or healthcare to, I'm still thinking like I broke into school to make a T-shirt, yeah. and now like I can give you a 401k. That's wow. insane to me, you know. Um, yeah. And that's something that I'm just really proud of. Outside of like hype drops, resell, and all that shit. Those are all simply a byproduct of like this sort of community and team that I've been able to help build. Damn. That's amazing. I love that. That's some that's truly some like American dream. The good like America. American dream shit. Good not, not America. The, not not Entrep- the current American dream, yeah. Entrepreneur but yeah, that's like your story. You're and that's it's really inspirational, you know? Yours is truly a story Thanks, of like man. that entre the, the entrepreneurial spirit that uh, is one aspect that makes America good, but yeah. it is, it's inspiring. It's really, really fucking cool. I mean, also it can happen outside of America. Let's just, I'm shaking the, <laughs> I, I want to <laughs> I want to like just say, um, you know, before you go, I really like the thing where you said, if you really like doing something and just, just, you can put it online and make it happen. Like I feel like people truly don't understand how much, uh, freedom you have to do that. Um, yeah, it's like, and if and the thing is what i found you know like what we were saying about liking to do something and not that not feeling like work if you really like doing something that translates people feel that energy you know so Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you want to do if you really want to do it people can 
sense that and no matter how yeah. weird it is whatever like basket weaving like whatever example you gave there's yeah there's no excuse it. right now to to do some bullshit thing that you hate doing 40 to 50 hours a week every week for the rest of your life like there is no reason to do that at this point in in the evolutionary cycle of of mankind of humankind like no whatever you like to do you will find through the wonders of the internet, you will find a hundred thousand other people that love what you do also. And you have a community. Yeah. And even, and even if you need to do the bullshit job to pay for, you know, getting started to do what you want. That's yeah. Fine. Work towards that. Yeah. Work towards that vision. But like, yeah. don't just think I'll just do this until I'm 72 and that's my life. Like, please, please don't do that. Damn. Damn. That's inspiring. I love that. For our listeners out there, where can they find you and your work online? Instagram, Twitter, at Jeff Staple. I frequently update there, but um, I have a website, jeffstaple.tv, which kind of encapsulates everything that I do. Um, so, yeah, keep in touch and reach out. And awesome. what about you, Young Me? YM Mayor and Young Me Mayor on TikTok. How about you, Brian? Uh, you guys can find me online at It's Brian Park, and you can follow our podcast at Feeling Asian Podcast on all social media platforms. And. All right, time for some Patreon shout outs. If you don't know, Patreon is a website that you can use to donate a little bit of money towards the podcast. You can subscribe on different tiers and the lowest tier is $3. Maybe it's $5. Sorry, I didn't check. But um, the minimal amount that you get is a shout out on this podcast and I'm going to do that now. Also, just to let you know, um, in a few weeks, we're going to have a Q&A with my mom and you get bonus episodes every week and bonus monthly long episodes. You get you get a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to shout out our wonderful Patreon subscribers for this week. And I'm just going to say something about them. I'm going to try to think I'm going to try to use my psychic energy to guess something about their lives. Um, first off, we have Brandon Wynn. Brandon feels to me like Brandon is a happily married person with like a bunch of kids. That's the vibe I'm getting. This person has three children and they're young. And you know what? It's a struggle, but you're getting up every day and you're doing it. Brandon, and we, we want to thank you. You're a positive role model for your children. And I respect that. <laughs> the next person we have is Melissa Kanhiron. Kanhiron, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Melissa, Melissa. I just feel like every Melissa I know has like a warm vibe. Sometimes I feel like there's like a name thing where people just either fit into their name or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like when one name you meet a bunch of people and they all sort of have like the same personality. Do you think that that's like because people expect you to be that way or do you think a name has power i don't know but for me whenever i meet a melissa they're extremely warm and loving and caring so that's the vibe i'm getting from this melissa um you are probably somebody that you know your friends love and they tell you secrets that they wouldn't tell uh, for example someone like me because they know that people know that i can't keep a secret but that's not true for Melissa. <laughs> the next person we have is Taejong Kim. All right, let me get this Taejong Kim. I'm feeling like this person it has this wardrobe, like they wear one thing every day. And I'm seeing, this is my psychic abilities, a black baseball cap and a plain white shirt. 
And I feel like, I feel like Taejong, you always wear like athletic slides, like those Gucci slides or the Nike ones with socks. That's the vibe I'm getting. That's that's just that's what I'm feeling. I'm sorry, um, but you know what? Why why not wear those? They're comfortable. Uh, and then the last person this week for our Patreon shoutout is Fami Banag. Banag, I'm so sorry, Fami Banag. Um, Fami Banag. I feel like this person is a witty conversationalist. Is that's like the strong vibe I'm getting. Like you're the person that's at a cafe and you're talking to your friends, and people around you are like paying attention to what you're saying. Because you might be talking about the boringest thing that happened to you at work, but it is enjoyable and pleasant to listen to. Every, everything that you talk about, your friends love it. Um, which is, you know what? Personally, for me, I feel like the best trait a person can have. You know, if you can read the ingredients list off a gluten-free pizza crust and make it funny my god what a talent anyway thank you all so much for donating to our patreon and we hope to see you at the um at my mom's q a which will be fun and um and i am excited and it's it's gonna be great at my mom's q a which will be fun and um and i am excited and it's it's gonna be great yeah i think that's it thanks again for a great conversation jeff and uh to our listeners thanks for making it this far and we'll see you all here next week bye guys thanks a lot guys have a good one